The thing I think that we can all be very secure about is this industry is going to be super strong. Think about all the technologies you saw today. I like to use these events as a slice in time and say, what did I see that I thought was really cool that now is making a bigger impact? Welcome to Manufacturing Happy Hour, the podcast where we get real about the latest trends and technologies impacting modern manufacturers. Each week, we interview industry experts that are at the top of their craft and give you the tools, tactics and strategies you need to take your career and your business to the next level. And now your host, Chris Lukey. Hey, hey, it's episode 138. Today is all about leadership perspectives on robotics. This episode is both parts a throwback and a look ahead at the robotics and automation world. Today's show is a compilation episode featuring interviews taken from last year's Automate Live event at A3's Automate Show. These were recorded in June 2022, and the reason we're releasing them now is because Automate 2023 is right around the corner on May 22nd through 25th. You can hear me talk about this on the show regularly, and that's because the caliber of the people at this event is through the roof, and I think today's episode is proof of that. Here's what we've got in the lineup. First, we have Mike Chico, president and CEO of Fanuc America, one of the biggest names in industrial robotics. We also have Soren Peters, CEO of How to Robot, the industrial robot marketplace. And then finally, we have Milton Gary, longtime president at Shunk, an outfit that does work holding and gripping technologies in robotics. So what can you expect from this episode? Well, each of these individuals are basically titans in the robotic space. So this episode is largely focused on their leadership perspectives relative to automation, what's next in robotics, and it'll give us a chance to look back at what's actually happened in the robotics industry over the past year. As always, if you want to learn more, if you want to connect with any of these three individuals, you can do that over at the show notes page at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 138. And of course, this should be obvious, but you should be attending Automate 2023. You can register for free by going to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash automate2023. This is the show in robotics and automation in North America. This is where you can connect with individuals like the three people we have on today's episode. And I should also mention, if you're interested in being part of an interview that's like this, we might still have some slots available for Automate Live this year. Automate Live is basically an ESPN game day style booth where myself and Jake Hall, the manufacturing millennial, and a list of other great podcasters, we're going to be broadcasting live from there all week long, sharing insights from the show floor, sharing more stories like the ones you're going to hear today. So hey, if you're interested in that, if there are spots still open, the best thing to do, just shoot me an email at info at manufacturinghappyhour.com with the subject automate live, and let's talk about trying to get you booked for a slot. Final thing to mention before diving in. This was recorded at a trade show, so it's going to sound a bit like it's recorded at a trade show. Also, you'll hear us drop some names here and there. I'll try to guide you through these conversations during the breaks just so you don't feel like you're missing out on anything. But anyway, first up, we have Mike Chico from Fanuc, and Jake Hall is going to be joining me for this interview, all the interviews today. Great co-host emeritus here on the show. We chatted with Mike about mentorship in the industry and his thoughts on the impact of robots in the economy. But first, he's going to share a quick anecdote about what it was like getting tapped on the shoulder by the mainstream media to talk to the masses about robotics. It's story time. 
Man, I'll tell you, that was, uh, it was a crazy experience, actually. I got a text on a Friday afternoon uh, from a number that wasn't in my phone saying, this is a producer from Fox, uh, which I thought was spam at first, and it turns out it wasn't. So uh, from 12 o'clock Friday afternoon till, uh, till 5.30 in the morning on uh, Saturday morning, what turned around where there was a camera crew at Fanuc, and they were asking me questions about the growth in the robot industry, which was really, 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 really a cool thing. You know, that's exciting to see. You know, a lot of times in the industry, we're uh, automated. We're, we're, we're a bunch of friends here. Everyone knows everyone. Everyone's been working with partnerships or other companies at one point in time. But to be able to see robots and automation hitting the mainstream media, that's just super exciting. Yeah, it's been a big change. Um, not just three or four years ago, there was a connotation where a lot of what we talked about was why robots aren't taking jobs away. That, that we had a whole, I mean, we, we've done studies, we talk about it, we show it. That doesn't get talked about so much anymore because what, what robots in manufacturing are doing is really creating advanced manufacturing opportunities. It's a whole new connotation in terms of what the market and the, and the overall media thinks about our business. Well, I think that kind of segues into what you were just talking about today here, because no more than an hour ago, you were on an executive panel, and I've got it right in front of me. The title of that panel was How Robotics and Automation Are Transforming the North American Economy. So this is a two-part question. My first part of that question is I'd love you to answer that in general. How do you feel robotics and automation are transforming the North American economy? Um, I'll give you an example um, to that uh, in terms of how it's transforming. Let's just look at covid so we all remember when everyone was searching to go get a mask, right? Or when are the vaccines going to be ready? And even now, when is my Similac uh, formula going to get be mm -hmm. ready for my kid uh, and find it on the grocery store shelves? That that probably how how it's transforming the economy right now. It really shows what robots and automation can do to help things through the supply chain. Our robots were used to handle the vials for the COVID vaccine. Uh, if you ever saw a mask and you see the little dimple where the elastic, robots are used to, to, press, that, uh, to press that onto the edge of the masks. Mm. Robots are certainly used in the manufacturing process around the world. And we've seen that when labor's not available, um, what has happened in that supply chain where there are shortages in the poultry industry and in the meat industry, when COVID took out large portions of that, there wasn't the available labor to actually produce the goods that we needed. And robots and automation are the things that I think can, can really fix that. So that probably sums it up best to me is, is how robots are transforming the mm -hmm. industry when we've seen glitches in the supply chain and, and how we've been able to fix that with uh, robots and automation. Well, my follow-up to that is you were on a pretty high-powered panel there as well. You had leaders from end users, other technology providers. I'm curious, what's something new or maybe a new perspective that you started thinking of during that discussion as well? Um, you know, I think um, probably Deepu from NVIDIA and how deep he is in software mm -hmm. uh, and artificial intelligence, I think that is, uh, that, that plays a lot in terms of what some of the future is that, that we need to be, pay attention to. We work with NVIDIA um, and I think that how much software there is on the robot and technology side is something that I, I obviously know about but it's just refreshing to hear someone right from that industry get into it in such detail. So let's step back to about a year ago. COVID was still pretty present in America. Automate was gonna happen in Detroit where well, that got delayed. So A3 came forward and put Automate forward into play. And that's actually kind of uh, a reminisce of Chris and I, that was the first time we spoke with you and had a live in-between session, which was really exciting. So 
a year ago to where we are now, there's been a lot of excitement in the industry, but there's also been a lot of new areas that we're seeing developed where we typically saw robots heavily automotive. We're here in Detroit, A3's back here with Automate. Where are you seeing some new market segments come up in the past year, maybe two, three years as a result of kind of the pandemic, or maybe it was gonna happen even if the pandemic wasn't a major transition point? Yeah, I'll give you one just because we are in Detroit that was gonna happen whether the pandemic happened or not, and that's in the electric vehicle space. Um, so a lot of people this week are talking quite a bit about um, uh, of where robots and, and that, that the non-automotive robot sales have eclipsed the automotive robot sales for the first time. Yeah. However, one of the greatest things that's happening right now is some of the developments in automation in the EV space. And it's a really, really cool thing. I mean, it's almost transforming how the automotive business is. So there's a big new thing that's happening on the EV space in terms of you still have all the automation and all the cool stuff that we did in automotive a number of years ago. And now you layer on a whole new powertrain, a whole new drivetrain on how the cars are. It's bringing on new materials, it's bringing on new joining technology, it's bringing on new process. That's the first thing. Well, I was gonna ask, as we see that transition from old automotive to new automotive, yep. where we're going from you know combustion engines to electric supplies, are you seeing a more greenfield approach to how we're enabling and adapting robots into these fields than what it was, you know, putting robots into an existing process before robots were heavily available? Yeah, I think that there's a combination of those things where um, the automotive sectors and us in general were taking existing knowledge that we had in terms of a conventional combustion engine powertrain and we're taking some of those same people and even saying let's go learn a new skill in terms of how electrification works and then we're also seeing uh, a pretty big influx of new talent into the business of smaller companies different different organizations where they're focused specifically on the battery technology so it's kind of a nice mix between old and new yeah so I, I have a question, and this is a friend of all of ours. Um, Scott Lindemann had said, you have some pretty unique perspectives on what the new normal might be. Scott Lindemann, past guest of Manufacturing Happy Hour. Jake, you worked for him at one point. Um, him, he's yep. the, I did not know that. Uh, yeah, so Scott actually, so Scott at the time was the VP for JR Automation. Yep. And when I was 16 years old, I went to go and do a job interview for Scott and I swept the floors and cleaned the CNC machines and did all the uh, deburring wow. and acetone on the welding. Yeah. So that was my first manufacturing job at 16 when I was in high Holy school moly. working yeah. for JR. Wow. And you are a millennial. I never. I was always going <laughs> to yeah. say you're not actually a millennial. I mean, yeah, I, I'm 32. A, okay. I know my face, you know, might yeah. deceive that a little bit. But so I probably saw you there. Yeah, uh, at one point in time we could have crossed okay. paths. Well, shout out to Scott Lindemann, yeah. President and CEO of Mission Design and Automation currently. We'll get back to him later. But... What he did share was, hey, you've got some unique perspectives on, you know, what does the new normal look like? Is this normal? Like, what what's going to maybe stay the same and what's not going to be forever here? I, I have, I don't know if everyone agrees with it or not. Maybe a lot of people don't. But I think that what where we sit in manufacturing, um, we are a very hands-on kind of business. We're, we're a very... Um, uh, it's a technology driven and there's a lot of software there, but in the end, the things that we do make robots move and make things happen in a factory. And so I think with what's happening in the world today, especially with the drive for uh, uh, a work from home uh, mindset, uh, we're trying to really find some harmony in there in terms of flexibility, in terms of really promoting a work from home culture. We're trying to promote a culture where you have a lot of flexibility in your job, you have a lot of, um, 
flexibility in terms of what the workforce needs. Uh, so in, in terms of what the new normal is right now, it, you, 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 I, I hate categorizing generational things necessarily, but um, I think we all have to understand what other people's wants and needs are from a career perspective. One of the things that I feel very strongly about is mentorship in the workplace, where just walking around this show, our industry, for whatever reason, has so much longevity to it. You're 16 years old, you're sweeping this uh, floor and you're still in the business. Yep. You walk around this floor, maybe the logos on our badges have, have changed yep. over the years, but you're seeing, I've seen people, I've been in this business for 23 years now at Fanuc, and I, I know so many people in this industry. Well, now we're bringing in a new generation of workforce into this industry, and without a face-to-face mentorship um, perspective. It's one of the things that Scott actually does best. There's a long list of mentorees that, that have come mm -hmm. up uh, having a strong relationship with Scott, myself included in that mix. And so uh, that, that's probably to me what the new normal is. There's a level of flexibility that we all need, but we really need to focus on mentoring the young people that are coming into our business. Yeah. And it's expanding on that mentorship. I think one of the really exciting things Fanuc here has that automate. You have, is it is it a college program highlight? Explain to us, you, you have the main Fanuc booth that has the M2000 carrying a Corvette around. Right. But you know, you walk over to the other side of the show, there's just a group of 10, 15, 20 colleges mm -hmm. that are highlighting their programs. Why is Fanuc so involved with that. And can you experience, can you go in more depth on how has that program grown mm -hmm. over the past years? Well, first I'd like to thank A3 for the opportunity to do it. So dedicating a space where we're, we're sponsoring uh, the educational forum that's on the other side of the building here. Uh, we have a program, we call it CERT, uh, Certified Educational Robotic uh, Technology, C-E-R-T, um, or training, Certified Educational Robotic Training. And what we saw going on in the industry was is that as we were selling more and more robots into the business and the sales of robots started to, this exponential curve that we've seen, um, a lot of the challenges that our end users faced was we, want, we need someone to be able to program that robot at our place and the number of integrators that we had and the number of end users. So we saw that as a, as a big challenge. Um, as a way to solve it, we worked really hard with a couple third-party certification companies to create a system that was already certified um, by a, a third-party recognized industry, and that allowed us to get it into schools very easily. For us, it's not a moneymaker. We don't see that business as a profit generator the way some of our other businesses are. Um, we really see it as an enabler for schools to bring on the next generation of manu uh, manufacturing talent. And something that people may not know is, in terms of ranking where those systems go, number one, um, we're in over 1,400 schools just in America right now. So over 1,400 schools has some level of automation or technology from us, whether it be a robot or a CNC machine. And then if you were to group those, um, the two-year associate's degree program is by and far the largest consumer That's of incredible. that program. Yeah. High schools are next on that, with the universities being the last one. Really? And so, I would have had no idea. Yeah, so we're seeing a whole new type of worker come into the to the workforce. They're coming in with, with less debt, um, so they're coming into the manufacturing space with great knowledge of robot and technology, without as much debt. A lot of times the, the two-year associate's degree programs are funded by the end user, and so it, it's been a really, really strong program for it, and I talk about it almost, every, anytime I talk to somebody, that comes up, and I'm, I'm pretty I'm passionate excited. about it. I'm glad we're on this topic of getting new people in the industry, mentorship, because that's where my next question comes in as well. You know, I'm looking at your career, 
and and to say the least, you've moved up in the organization at yep. Fanuc. And my question is generally, you know, how does one position themselves for mobility in their career? Um, yeah, so my, my background, I started, um, my, this is my second job out of college. I was at Northrop Grumman uh, for a couple of years as an electrical engineer um, and uh, and started with Fanuc in, in 1999 as a software and controls engineer. So programming robots on the floor, going out to end users and helping them with their automation needs. Um, and I would say some of the keys to mobility is really just continuing to reinvent yourself uh, in terms of what the business needs for you at the time. Uh, one of the things that happened, I guess, at Fanuc was is that we, we, there weren't as many system integrators out in the marketplace when I started in the late 90s. And so we were doing a lot of those things. Um, as time went on, I recognized that there were so many different industries that we were in. In, in, a, in a week's time, I may have been at a dairy and a and a, a bakery and an automotive components company and a pharmaceutical company. Yeah. And they all expected me to be experts in all of those fields. And it was really challenging. So I needed to change myself and our business needed to change. So I got into sales and um, after that I moved to our headquarters. It's about building relationships. A way to be mobile is to start building relationships. And it's about communication. One of the things um, that my, my predecessor, Rick Schneider, the previous CEO of Fanuc told me was, um, or that I told him, I guess, was when he asked me what I wanted to do, I told him I wanted his job. And uh, you have to communicate. You have to let people know what your aspirations are um, in your career. And that was always one of mine is to take over Fanuc. And um, I wasn't shy about telling people that. We're here at Automate. And I have a very automate-specific question. Did you know you were going to have the most Instagrammable, TikTokable booth when this event started? <laughs> well, anytime you put a, a new C8 Corvette uh, in your booth, uh, that that tends to attract people. Um, and uh, I, I give all the credit to our marketing team. You know, for this, we really let them get pretty creative in terms of how the booth looks and and how it is. And I'm happy to see that. Yeah. You know, yeah. Just, just so you know, this is not the first time that Corvette came up on this show while we've <laughs> yeah. been here. It's, it's been mentioned a couple times. So certainly a cool setup. You I have heard here. that there's some, an auction going on for it. That uh, oh, yeah. because there's a, a, a lack of availability out there that people are throwing down dollar amounts of trying to take it off our floor. <laughs> One so of my friends see. was hopeful there was a raffle, which is yeah, a little different right? than a little an different than an auction. <laughs> but uh, I want to say, I mean, didn't booths traditionally have a drop a business card and win a prize? You know, is <laughs> I think of a better. Yeah. I'll, I'll grab a stack of business cards there just right, uh, exactly. to the length of my odds. You know, as we wrap up and we have a few closing remarks, you know, Mike, is there any questions that you wish we would have asked you that you want to share to our audience, to the people live listening at home or at work, you know, just about the industry outlook or anything specifically about Fanon? Um, I, I guess I just think about if, if anyone's listening that's not in this space right now, if, if someone's out there that uh, isn't in robotics and maybe they saw your channel and wondering you post so many interesting videos uh, out there in terms of how things are made um, I'll just tell you how cool this cool this market is and, and how cool it is to be in this business and if you if you haven't been down here yet I told if, if there are people at Fanuc actually listening you know hop off for the afternoon and come down here and see the show because there's so much cool stuff here and I, I think it's it's a disservice if you're not here seeing it firsthand I had one more question from your buddy Scott okay and this is the fun one you can choose to defer to answer it, but what is your favorite karaoke song? Oh, baby. <laughs> wow. See, he's going to make me answer this. Uh, it's a, it's a toss-up, depending on what kind of mood you're in. So okay. to set the stage, Scott and I have spent a few late nights in Japan, where, as you know, karaoke is a, is a staple uh, Very in, in terms of what we are. And 
Scott may be not the best karaoke -er, but he's a he's a great instigator of karaoke. You know that guy that's like always in the corner, uh, you know, prodding you to go up and sing, but then he never sings. That's mm -hmm. that that defines Scott. So, uh, probably uh, patience by Guns N' Roses is uh, is the go-to. It just depends on how late it is whether I could hit that high note at the and very how end. How much sake uh, we're uh... yeah. <laughs> Hey, we appreciate you taking the time, let us, letting Likewise, us get guys. to know you a bit and talking about FanUck. We've really enjoyed having you on the show. For everyone else out there, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you back here with more interviews very shortly. We'll be right back right after a word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by ePlan. Now, I've known about these folks for years. ePlan provides software and service solutions in the fields of electrical engineering, automation, and mechatronics engineering. But I just got to know them a whole lot better when I featured their international solutions architect, Sean Mulheron, on episode 132. We talked about all things apprenticeships, travel, and data-driven panel design, and I'm going to focus on that last one for a second. ePlan develops one of the world's leading design software solutions for machine, plant, and panel builders. So if you want to start designing your panels for troubleshooting and ease of use so that your control panels are easy to navigate years after the panel is built, you need to check them out. Go to manufacturinghappyhour.com ePlan or hear all about it from Sean in episode 132. And now, back to today's episode. All right, so Mike Chico got us off to a strong start. By the way, Scott Lindemann, whom we made reference to a couple times, especially there at the end, he's been on this show before and has his own great perspectives around manufacturing leadership. Check out episode 94 if you want to learn more from him. And if you want to connect with Mike or any of the guests in today's episode, you can do that at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 138. That'll get you to the show notes page. But anyway, we have plenty more in this episode. Next up, we have Soren Peters from How To Robot. While companies like Fanuc have been around for ages, How To Robot is relatively new to the marketplace. They started out as advisors in 2017, but now they're a marketplace for connecting the right suppliers with the right buyers in robotics. Let's hear it from Soren. You know, if we were grabbing a beverage, uh, let's say we're the company's headquarters, right? If we were grabbing a beverage together in Denmark, you know, how would you describe what, what How To Robot does if you're having a drink with someone? I guess that depends on how many drinks I've had. Um, but no, real quickly, I mean, we grew out of a consultancy company in Denmark. And I think I'm originally not from, from robotics. I'm from IT. And one of the first things that I kind of realized or saw, you know, not being out of the robotic scene, if you want to put it that way, was that a lot of the companies that we were helping had a very hard time realizing where the, the best guy doing automated welding was in, in Denmark at that time, they most of them called their local guy because it said robot on his door and, you know, whatever, that he might do whatever. And, and it, we quickly found out that if you were an international company, you wanted to do mobile robots, might be one integrator in Denmark, another in France, and a third in China. And there was no real catalog, you know, categorizing who does welding in China, who does welding in North America, and so on and so forth. So that was, that was one of them. Um, so we did that. And the other part was that Denmark is different than the US. So if you're a consultant in Denmark, that's a hard task, because no one's gonna tell you that they're smarter than you are. So why use a consultant, right? Um, 
just provoked two thirds of my legacy here. But but the point is, the point is that we met a lot of SMEs, medium companies that really needed the help, really needed to find out where their low hanging fruits were, but there were no place to go and they weren't keen of paying $100,000 for a consultant. So we were thinking, hey, if, if this was a travel agency and our consultancy company is the actual travel agency, who runs Airbnb, right? Who runs the quick, hey, I'm looking for a welding robot in France welding aluminum, where do I go? So we did have a robot as a marketplace. Literally, if you're a metalworking company that needs a local Canadian welding manufacturer, that's the way to go. You post it online, it's anonymous. That also means that if you're a Coca-Cola posting it, you the price you'll see the prices as anyone would see. No one will, you know, be be um, encouraged to change the prices if they would that um, because of what brands or whatever. It's pretty, and then they can decide to hey, okay, I've kind of I think Jake might be the guy for me. I can reveal myself, and we can take the discussion off-site and and literally you know get the automation solution going. So is it fair to say, I mean, you did the Airbnb comparison earlier. Are you the Airbnbs of the robotic world or the, I mean, it's an industrial robotics marketplace is how I viewed it in a lot of ways. It totally is. And of course, we don't sell, you know, gizmos to end users being private persons. But we got, what, 50, 60,000 people online all the time. Some of them are interested. Some of them Mm -hmm. are looking at our guidelines to how you could whatever. And quite a few of them are snooping around to find local or you know, manufacturers of robotics or integrators of robotics that they can't see in their local area or goes for their factory a uh, thousand miles away. So how do you see the current state of our industry right now in general? You know, when you look at manufacturing and automation, what, how, what would you describe its current status? Yeah, well, coming out of the IT industry, I would say the 90s was amazing because there was so much innovation and so much fantastic going on, but it was very innovation driven. Like there was boosts like this all over, uh, but there were still quite a few confused customers um, that fully understood that they needed IT, but had a really hard time finding out where to start and where to end. And and most of them bought, you know, I was one of them, most of them bought a ton of things, kind of made it work but had to do a few purchases to get it to work. And I think that's some of the trends we actually see now. Don't get me wrong, there's tons of great suppliers, but there's also a ton of customers from whom this is the first time purchasing. So guys, if you didn't know anyone or anything about sodas, and you were to select at a 7-Eleven of that, you know, tons of shells with drinks i mean i just i just moved here i'm challenged right we do coca-cola pepsi and that's it you know i'm, I'm going to ask you about a general industry observation and this one has to do with scandinavia and denmark you know we were talking about it before we came into the interview jake and i talked about it as well like you know you look at how to robot you look at you are mir right it's like all these companies coming out of Denmark, Scandinavia. It's what? not what you would have thought, you know, <laughs> happening a few years ago where this country in Northern Europe, you know, area was yeah. like, oh, they're pushing out some of the latest technology yeah. in, in this industry. Yeah. Yeah, but I think, so it's funny because Denmark, and, and again, uh, maybe insulting a little bit of my legacy, but Denmark's industry is not that much in Denmark anymore. 
because yeah. our wages and all these things made it difficult for mm -hmm. manufacturers to mm -hmm. keep on building factories out of Denmark. So a lot of the Danish industry is actually outsourced to other countries. Okay. Um, and and where you guys are done some outsourcing, but yeah. not another one. So I think some of the robotic solutions you see in Denmark coming out of Denmark is way more about how do we think like even further ahead, whereas some of the integrators I meet here or in Italy or other places that are heavily industrialized. I mean, you'd find welding robotic guys that all they do is that solution for that type, mm -hmm. you know, that's what they do. So you got, what, 600,000 manufacturing companies here mm -hmm. and about 1,200 integrators and suppliers. In Denmark, my guess is we got, what, 10,000 manufacturing companies and 450 robot companies. Yeah. So look at the balance of that, right? Mm -hmm. So I think there's so much innovation going on in Denmark, but I think if you want to transfer and transform that to real business, yeah. you have to go where the robots work. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Which is here, yeah. or in Italy, or other places, but not as much anymore in, in Denmark. Well, it's, you know, one thing that Jake and I do, we have little Lego figures of oh, ourselves, yeah. right? And that's, uh, Lego has been an export of, uh, of that country for a <laughs> oh, very yes. long time. Now robots are, are becoming one, and robot technology. I, I'm going to keep the conversation on Denmark here, right, as, as we get to the end. You know, I asked you at the start, if we were having this conversation over beer, I told you I'm about to go there for the first time ever. I'm curious. If we were actually there, let's say in Copenhagen on the shores there, where would be we, we, we'd be having a drink? Describe a place for us. So I think um, there's kind of two or three uh, places you, you would do in Denmark. We got something that we call um, brown bodegas. Okay. That's bodegas that got big in the 40s, 50s, and 60s that would have this might cool sound for American, but it's not in reality. <laughs> it's got brown, brown panels on the walls. There'll still be a nice little crispy stench of cigars, uh, yeah. you know, in the air. That'll be a brown bodega. You would go there for a pint. If you ask for a <laughs> cosmopolitan there, might you get might a funny get kicked look. out. <laughs> okay, yeah. all right. Um, yeah. and, and, and so that's one of them. The other one would be like a super trendy cafes, Yeah. Um, where if you ask for a pint there, they might think you're from the countryside, yeah. you know, so so it, it, I think it really depends what kind of mood you're you, you in. you got to know where to order the right drink, it sounds like. Yeah, definitely. But, but <laughs> we have that really, you know, said Denmark's restaurant scene some years ago was nothing. And then someone said, no, man, the others. And suddenly, I think we're the country with most uh, Michelin star restaurants per capita. Yeah, Nordic cuisine is having a moment in time right now, for sure. Definitely. <laughs> One of the things that was a really funny moment was they were introducing live ants, though, in the menu, because yeah. that's one of the things we got a lot of. So you go to this three-star Michelin restaurant, you get all kind of fancy food and live ants that mm -hmm. you have to eat with chopsticks. Wow, that's, uh, that's something you learn every day. Nope. Um, it's, well, <laughs> it's pretty difficult as well to catch them, I'll tell you that. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Oh, well, yeah, Jake, can you reel this back in for us? I know I took us down the path of Denmark dining, but as this well, is our last interview of the day. It's, it's about <laughs> learning something new, and I learned, you know, about ants, and, you know, here at Automate, we're learning a lot about new technology, new solutions. And so, Ren, thank you so much for joining us no uh, on this, learning more about how to robot, what you guys are bringing to the industry.
You know, this came across in our conversation with Soren, but I do want to reiterate that a great reason to go to Automate is to learn about simple solutions. There's a lot of technology there, but honestly, this industry is on a mission to simplify these technologies so that manufacturers can put them to use. Also, since this interview, I did in fact go to Copenhagen, and it was fantastic. Now, I didn't go to a brown bodega as Soren had brought up, but I did go to a couple of those Michelin star restaurants. I had a ton of great craft beer, biked everywhere, picnicked, rode roller coasters at the historic Tivoli Gardens. I highly recommend spending some time in Copenhagen. Anyway, before I get too far off track, next up, we have Milton Gary to wrap this episode. As the president of Shunk, he knows gripping and tooling solutions, but he's also a straight-up leader across all facets of the robotics industry. So, we'll hear about that and some new things that have come across his radar. But first, we need to start this off in proper manufacturing happy hour fashion. You have quite the story, and, and really what I want to start with is... Where did you start in your professional career? You have some amazing titles, President of Shrunk, Federation, uh, President of the International Federation of Robotics. How did you get there? Where did your journey begin? Well, first off, I'm very fortunate, that's for sure. Um, and I think we can't, we can't really um, discount that in any way. So I started off as an engineer and, uh, and after you know, some time in, in the automotive industry, decided that I was looking forward to being in a, in a business where you could see kind of the beginning to the end and, um, and ended up with Shunk and, and, and again, that fortune just kept, uh, kept going and um, became part of this wonderful industry and was able to advance through some leadership positions and work with really amazing people. And I think something that's more um, influential in my own career is being involved with associations like the A3 and getting involved with executives who are just um, just really amazing leaders yeah. with views and able to kind of guide you in a way of doing the greater good. And that's what we're doing here for, for manufacturing. I feel like this is like three buddies having a beer, right? Yeah. Jake, as you kicked it off. There's a lot I want to learn from you today, Milton. But before we get there, since I did mention it's kind of like we're kicking it, having a beer, how would you describe what Shunk does for people that don't know you guys um, as if we're having a beverage together? Well, that, that's a great, great question because I, I, I really thought that, you know, Chris, as the, as the happy hour guy, that you were bringing the beer, and yeah. I've looked back here twice, and there's no cooler. It's a little early, I mean, to say the <laughs> least, but yes, I do. You can blame me for that. We should have done it more authentically here on the last day of the show. You're 100% correct. Yeah, so <laughs> next time, you know, if, if you need me to bring the cooler, I'll definitely bring the cooler. I'll let you know. <laughs> Raleigh, Raleigh's got some good beer where Absolutely. you're from. You're from a good beer town. <laughs> Over 100 breweries. It is really a good beer town. Yeah. So maybe we can do this next time in Raleigh. I like that idea. Next time in Raleigh. <laughs> and then then we'll definitely have a, a beer to, to talk over. But Shunk, you know, um, a lot of people know us for, from many different angles, but we're by far, we're, we're an indefector company. And so we're here to provide things to make the robots work within the world that they're touching. And so we often call that robot indefectors. And so we like to not only be in that space, but we're trying to drive innovation in that space. And we're working towards the future as well, where the end effector and adding more value to what the robot does, and that's bundling things together, adding sensing, adding software, being uh, just continuing to be the technology provider for the end of arm tooling. So I've got a couple questions just reflecting on or like thinking about your career. You've been with Shunk for a very long time. 
I've got a two-part question for you. I mean, this is a career-style question, right? You know, what was, like, the biggest challenge you were helping people, you were helping lead the company through, like, when you started? And then the second part is going to be, what, what are the biggest challenges you're helping with now, right? As a leader, how do you do that? Well, how much time do we have? But we got plenty of time. We got, we, we're on the clock right now. We got at least 10 to 15 minutes left. <laughs> well, for sure, there's, there's you know, um, we've lived through some some pretty interesting times, you know, yeah. 2008 to 2010. Yep. Well, we could even go back and even say .com 2000. Sure. Yeah, you've seen a bunch of them. <laughs> yeah, there's there's been a few. Um, having always an amazing team around is, is actually the, the big differentiator. But... Um, you know, I think that all of these things, we think we learn from the last, but then something comes up that challenges us in a different way. Yeah. So I, I don't know if there's, um, if there's one thing to point to, but I guess the, the, the trust in the team, making sure you, you're getting the teams in place for whatever you're at, whatever part of the evolution you're in. You know, um, when we were, I mean, when we started off, when I when I started off with the company, we were twenty something people, and um, and through some of those times, we were growing so quickly. It's even hard to make sure that everybody knows what to do when they come in, and making sure you have the programs in place. Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden, you get some, hit with something like the pandemic, and then you know it's all about keeping everyone safe, keeping their families safe, and um, and, and and getting into that communication. So I hope that kind of answered your question. But it's, think- a, it's a long time span to boil into well, two minutes well what i think i heard there like was the big focus is on the team right it's just a different challenge that you're working with the team each time around you know dot com 2008 2009 pandemic you know pandemics focused on everyone's health and safety right so no that was that was super i thought i learned from that at the very least jake uh, yeah. that was an yeah. excellent i think so so i've got a question that just popped into my mind and jake i'm kicking myself for not asking other guests because we're here at the end of the week here at automate right these are our thursday round of interviews i was asking you for a lot of reflections on your career things you've learned from your experience at shunk but i gotta ask you what's something new you've learned this week here at automate something that sticks out to you as the show that's wrapping out. It could be a technology or it could be something macro level as well. Or a keynote. Or a keynote, yeah. yeah. I mean, come back to where I always feel comfortable and that's in the, in the technology side. I, I certainly hope you guys have had a few minutes to walk the show because, you know, when you, when you get through a, a fair portion of the show, you, you kind of reflect back and, you know, what was the last time I was at Automate and what, what technology were we saying that's coming and it's actually coming? So, you know, there's so many technologies that you could just say are super cool, but on the other side of that is what technologies are developing and, you know, sensing mechanics and all those things coming together is happening and it's happening on large scales. So that may be in bin picking, it may be in, you know, making the robot more sensitive and things like that. And then putting AI on top of that or machine learning, those things are there. They're on the floor now. I mean, I know everybody kind of has a different version of AI is, is it this robot now going to think for itself? But what this rope, what AI is really doing, it's allowing a vision system to do better in its imaging. It's allowing a pick to happen over and over again. And if something changes in that environment, make an adjustment for it. That's what it's doing. It's not allowing the robot to be, you know, where you just walk in and you say something like, hey, go pick and place yeah. that part. And now the robot works. 
But those things are going to, that those technologies are going to widen application in a great way. And if we go back, how we saw that three years ago when we were on the automate floor, mm -hmm. those things are really here now and yeah. they're in applications and running. Awesome. For me, that's impressive. Now, as we wrap up our final question of this morning's session with you, are there any things that you wish you would have, we would have asked you that you would have wanted to talk about? Oh, you know, what is this next going to be? I think that's always fun to talk about. There's, there's always several questions, right? There's, there's things to, uh, to you know, I, I like the technology side, so I would always like to kind of well, go towards well, that. Let's and, do that. Let's not push it out five years. We're going to be back here in Detroit 2023, mm -hmm. 11 months from now in May. You're pro months. We're probably going to be sitting at this table once again. And Chris with, and beers, I, with, with beers. With beers, as time. you pointed out. And, and Chris <laughs> and I will be back, and we're going to be having uh, – we're going to go back through our notes. And we're going to say, okay, what did we talk about with Milton yeah. in Detroit 2022? What's going to happen in the next 12 months that we can go back on and we can do a check that you think is going to really be some exciting things in our industry? Well, um, you know, predictions, we're all, we're all very uh, cautious with those because – you know, I know that most of them I've made in my life have been wrong. You know, <laughs> so can I, can I actually take that when I listen to other people first. Um, but you know, the, the the thing I think that we can all be very secure about is this industry is going to be super strong. And the show in one year, think about all the technologies you saw today. I like to use these events as a slice in time and say, what did I see that I thought was really cool that now is making a bigger impact? And I think we're gonna see that again. We're gonna see more sensing coming together with hardware. We're gonna see robots hopefully going into more and more of these industries. And that percentage in the general industry just continuing to rise, because that's super exciting. And I think that's what we should look for. I don't think there's going to be this new wow Terminator thing coming through or anything like that yeah. because that's not how this works anyway. But what we will see is these incremental technologies going forward and providing what everyone needs right now. We all hear the labor statistics, the I've got all these talented people, but I need them, you know, I, I need them to be able to concentrate on cognitive tasks. And, and so robots can offer the ability for these people to do that. Awesome. Well, Milton, thank you guys so much. This was a great session. I'm getting the wave up to wrap up the session, so <laughs> thanks for joining us on this morning session. Always a pleasure having you. Gentlemen, thank you. We'll see you soon. So you heard it from Milton as to what he expects to see at Automate 2023. Continued growth, more robotics outside of industries like automotive. So... I have a few announcements here at the end, so I'll keep it brief. If you want to connect with Milton, with Mike, with Soren, I've got links to their LinkedIn profiles over at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 138. There you can check out howtorobot.com, Shunk, Fanuc, all of that's over there. So the three announcements. First, if you have not signed up for Automate yet, you're going to want to do that. May 22nd through 25th in Detroit, 2023. Go to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash automate2023. That'll allow you to register for free. I'll also mention again, if slots are still available and you want to take part in interviews like the ones featured on today's episode, well, hey, sign up for Automate Live. We're going to be broadcasting from Automate all week long. If spots are still available, you're going to want to shoot me an email at info at manufacturinghappyhour.com with the subject Automate Live, and let's keep that discussion going there. 
And then finally, I didn't mention this at the start, but we did talk about it a few episodes ago. Manufacturing Happy Hour is throwing a party on Tuesday night after the show at Automate. That's going to take place at McShane's in Detroit. That's co-sponsored with RND Automation. So if you want to register, go to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash R is in Robert, N is in Nancy, D is in Drew. That'll take you to the sign-up page over at Eventbrite. So, hey, we can't wait to see you in Detroit at Automate. Thank you, A3. Thank you, ePlan, for sponsoring this episode. We have a similar compilation coming up next week, so stay tuned for that. In the meantime, stay innovative, stay thirsty, and we'll catch you here real soon. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Manufacturing Happy Hour. Powered by the Industrial Network.